Uh, I'm so excited about this morning. This is going to be a morning, uh, I believe, that, that will impact your life. Uh, I think that you're going to walk away. When I, when I first say the topic, you might be a little bit uncomfortable because it just sounds strange. But I think if you take and practically use what we're going to talk about today, I think it's going to really impact your life. Um, we are ending our Summer Shape-Up series. Three weeks ago, we started and we talked about attitude, shaping up our attitude, uh, how it's really not our problem that's the problem, but it's the way that we respond to that problem is where we find our problem. We talked about keeping everything in perspective. We talked about choosing joy in the hard times. Two weeks ago, we talked about faith. We talked about faith is how we hear and believe that what God says is true, and then because of that, we act in it. So because God says this, I do it, and in response, that's me having faith, and in response... God, there's a blessing that comes automatically from that. There's promises that come automatically from that. Uh, we talked about the, the mission trip to Uganda, how the Lord says, go into all the nations, and we want to take that step and, and, and listen and believe that what God is saying is true and take that step in faith as a church and as a body. Again, the meeting is at 5 today. Come if you have questions or concerns. And then last week we talked about relationships. We talked about the woman at the well, uh, how she was searching for, for all, the, all the right things but in all the wrong places. She knew what she needed, but she was searching in men to find that. And so we talked about in our relationships how we need to be drinking from the right well, finding, finding what we need in Jesus. That way we can just pour out to other people. And today, I'm not even going to tell you the topic yet, actually. You can go ahead and throw the verses up there, John. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. We're actually going to be in several passages, but this is the main one that I want you to turn to. Matthew 28, 1 through 5. <coughs> I'm going to tell you the topic after we read it. We can go ahead and turn there. Matthew 28, 1 through 5. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. How sad would you feel if Matthew, as he's writing this, wrote Mary Magdalene and then the other Mary? Like, she didn't even have a last name. It was just like, oh, then also her. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. You're probably wondering, what in the world are we about to talk about? This has nothing to do with, with our life, but I'm going to tell you this. The angel in this story teaches one of the most powerful lessons in all of Scripture, and he doesn't say a word but it's one of the most powerful lessons that we can ever learn. And you're never going to guess which part it is. We're not talking about Easter. We're not talking about the resurrection today. We're talking about what the angel did. Read it again. The angel rolled away the stone and sat on it. Today we are talking about shaping up our seat. I'm not talking about your rear end. That would be very uncomfortable, and I'm in no position to tell you what to do about that. We're talking about shaping up our seat. Seat. The angel rolled away a stone and then sat on it. See, in my head, there's many things that the angel could have done that would have been more powerful than sitting. Sitting is, is almost vulnerable. I mean, you know, it's just kind of, you're just not doing a whole lot. It's kind of passive. In my head, if the angel wanted to make a statement, he could have, like, blown the rock up. <laughs> or he could have stood and, you know, just, like, had some, I'm not even going to try and do a cool stance because people can see it. <laughs> but... You know, he could have done something, something that looked good. I mean, but he just sits. And I think in that, 
there is a really, really powerful lesson about the way that we are supposed to live. He chose to sit on a very specific place and a very strategic place, which means we have to also watch where we sit. I want to start with a question. How do you decide where you sit? Even right now, minus the choir because y'all are told where to sit. Everyone else, how do you decide where you sit? <clears throat> Sometimes it's who's, who's next to me. I don't want to sit by <laughs> so-and-so, unless it's your spouse, then you have to. But I don't want to sit by so-and-so. Or, oh, they have, they have children. Let's sit on the complete opposite side of the room. <laughs> or Landon always turns down the air conditioner, so I don't want to sit near one of those, some of you people, <laughs> as I'm dying, <laughs> drenched in sweat, yeah. But there's many different factors that go into to where we sit. Okay, even like in a, in a movie theater, it kind of depends on the venue. In a movie theater, if you walk in and the movie theater is completely empty and you get your choice, there's a lot of things that go into that. Well, I don't want to sit too close because I'm going to break my neck. I don't want to sit too far because I can't see anything. I want to be able to hear. I want to be able to get popcorn quickly. You know, there's so many things that go in. What if you're the only person in the movie theater and somebody comes and sits right next to you? You want to punch them in the face. You're like, you, you just don't do that. You, you don't go in and sit right next to somebody. There's all these different things that go into where we sit. Some of you that sit like up close, that's brave. That's brave because I walk and sometimes I spit and that's just, you're in the splash zone. You're in the splash zone. Watch out. <laughs> but there's many different things that, that go into how we pick. You know, sometimes we just get in, in routine and there's, you know, well, I sit in this pew every week and there's nothing wrong with that. But some of you are like, well, it's summer, and so numbers are down, so I'm going to scoot way up. I'm going to sit somewhere different. It's just, it's just different. There's a lot of different things that go into how we decide where we're going to sit. But where we sit matters. It affects what you receive. Okay? So if I'm sitting in a movie theater way in the back and can't see anything, I'm going to get a completely different experience than if I was sitting where I could see something or where I could hear something or where I could get popcorn. I hope at this point you're not still thinking that I'm actually talking about a physical seat. I could not possibly care less where you sit. I don't, I don't care. I don't care where you sit in the movies, except for don't sit right next to me. But you know what I mean? Unless we're going together. Like, I'm not, I'm not mean. <laughs> but don't sit there. But I'm not actually concerned about that. I'm concerned about where your soul is sitting, where you are making the decision to position your soul to sit. So number one. Where does your soul sit? Your soul is your mind and your will and your emotions. That's what it's defined as. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. See, this angel rolled back, rolled back the stone and sat on it. In that, he was making a statement, not just about physically where he was sitting, but spiritually that represented something. There's two things, two variables that go into our decision-making process when it comes to sitting. Number one, the reason why we are sitting. And number two, the place that we're sitting. In Scripture, if you Google, every time the Bible talks about somebody sat down, somebody took a seat, somebody sat on the throne of God, every time, it's thousands, and th like just way too many to do a, like a real deep study on it. So many people. And so most of those, you can just, it, it's, the Bible's just giving us information. But what I saw is that every time the Bible said a specific place that somebody was sitting, it meant something. It was something really important, and you needed to take, uh, take that in, into consideration. For example, in 1 Kings, if you want to write this down, 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19, 3 through 4 says this. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. 
while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. So Elijah is not just physically sitting, but you can see he decides to have his, have his soul take a sit. He's suicidal at this point. Elijah is, is struggling. He is really, really hurt. And so him sitting, we need to look at it a little bit. And it says he sat under a broom tree. This was also called a juniper tree, which I'm sure some of you have heard of. I had never heard of, so I looked up some juniper tree things. This is very native to the area. I'm just pouring a foundation for why this is so important that we need to pay attention to, to, to sitting. When people are sitting in Scripture, what does that mean? These juniper trees, there's three things to know about them. They grow in the desert. And so if you found yourself near a juniper tree or a broom tree, you knew you were in somewhere really, really dry, somewhere where there was no life, so there was no vegetation, there was no way to thrive. There was hardly a way to live. And that's the place that Elijah chose to sit down. What does that say about his soul? What does that say about where his heart's at? Well, you obviously know because he, he comes out later and says, Lord, just kill me. You know his heart's not in a very good place. And so where he sat was very, very strategic. If you find yourself in a dry place and you decide to sit up and make a camp there, you know something's not right in here. There's some kind of heart situation. There's some kind of soul situation that needs to be looked at. Watch where you sit. Number two, the juniper tree produces a bitter fruit. Okay, That's the only thing it produces is, is bitterness. So much so that the only people that would eat from this were poor people, people that had nothing else they could eat. You wouldn't like be sitting and just craving that. You know, it's not, I mean, it'd be like, I just want to go out and eat a piece of, you know, I almost said weed, but that sounds bad. Like weeds outside, weeds. That'd be, it'd be like the same thing. It'd be like me just, me just saying that. You just wouldn't do it because it was so, so bitter. And so he chose to go to a place that was dry, that had no life, that had no chance for him to live. And he chose to go to a place where there was only bitterness. Are you seeing what I'm saying? What's going on with his soul? There's something deep going on with his soul that he chose to sit under a broom tree. And the last thing, and this is big, the broom tree was used for binding. He's sitting under a place that's dry, that has no life. He's sitting under a place that has no, no fruit except for bitterness. And he's sitting under a place where he's bound, where he's not free. Of course his soul is feeling this way. This is a representation. It wasn't because he was sitting under that tree that he started feeling this way. It was a representation. The Bible's showing us something about the place that he sat and why it's so important. Isn't it symbolic that he ran to a place like that when his soul was like that? He ran and sat in a place like that when his soul was like that. Elijah gone to a place where he shouldn't have gone, to a source he shouldn't have gone to, shouldn't have eaten from, and he was bound. He set his soul there, and he set his physical bottom there. We have to watch all, us and make sure that where we're sitting, our souls are in the right place. Where we're sitting, our hearts are in the right place, our minds are in the right place, and our will is in the right place. I want to point out something, and this is where we're going to go for the rest of the message right here. Elijah chose to sit under the broom tree. The angel chose to sit on top of the stone. This is vitally important that we remember these differences when it comes to this. Elijah sat underneath a broom tree, and the angel sat on top of the stone. I love language. Y'all know this. We've talked about this before. The Greek word for to sit under 
means this, to sit under. There's absolutely no difference whatsoever, okay? So when it says that, don't read into it too much. But when it says sit on top of, the Greek word is this, above, beyond, and more than. The angel was making a very, very powerful statement by deciding to sit on top of this stone. Because you see, the stone was what the enemy tried to use to stop Jesus. That was his plan. Was he threw a stone in the way. Jesus is dead. Jesus is locked away. We threw a stone in the way. The angel comes, moves that stone, and decides to sit right on top of it. Right on top of what the enemy tried to use to keep Jesus down. This is so important. He's making a statement. I just picture him. You know, I mean, you know, they, they say angels are, are just huge, just massive creatures. And I just I can just picture what he's doing up there. You know, as Mary and the other Mary come up and, and he's just he's just sitting there. It's just so powerful. They come expecting to find Jesus, and all they see is this giant man, and he's just sitting. I just picture him chilling. Like I, I kind of picture it in my brain. I know this isn't biblical, so don't like take this to school or anything. But I picture him like playing cards. Like he's like playing go fish with himself or something. He's like because it's just nothing. It was just no big deal. He was so powerful. It was no big deal. What the enemy tried to use to stop Jesus, he just sat on. It didn't matter. He just sat on it. And this is so, so important. What is the enemy trying to roll in front of you? What's the enemy trying to keep you bound with? What's the enemy trying to keep you dead with? What's he using? Because we see in Scripture, we have the choice of how we respond. Am I going to sit under what's holding me back? Am I going to sit on top of it? The angel sat right on top of the stone, right on top of the thing that kept Jesus in there. He said, no, I'm sitting right here. Elijah struggles and sits under his struggle. The angel sits on top of what the enemy tried to use. This is so important for our lives. What circumstances are you facing? Are you facing something financial? A financial struggle that's, that's holding you back. Something relational. Something with a family member. Something with a friend. What's the enemy trying to use to keep you down? The thing that the devil has tried to use to keep you down can be the very thing that you use to declare God's goodness in your life. When the angel was sitting on that stone, he wasn't sitting and talking about how good he was. He didn't do anything. He was sitting there and saying, I cannot believe how good my God is. The very thing that the enemy tried to use, he sat on. And by doing that, proclaimed, God, you're good. God, you're faithful. Where are you sitting? In your struggles, where are you sitting? Are you sitting under them? Are you letting them define you? Are you rolling that stone away and sitting right on top of it? Right on top of it. What was meant to bring defeat to Jesus' life became a seat for the glory of God to be shown. The, enemy, the angel just moved it aside and sat on it, and by doing that, showed God's goodness. You can either sit under your circumstance or you can sit on your circumstance, but you can't do both. You can't sit and live under it and sit on top of it at the same time. When I say sitting on top of, I just want to, I mean, I'm just laying this out very clear because I want us to all be on the same page. We're talking about victory. We're talking about victory over what's going on in your life. Obviously, if you're struggling with, with anger, with something financial, I don't want you to like 
sit on your money. Like that's going to do nothing. Don't physically do that. But beat the problem. We have the authority and the ability to walk in victory in our life over the struggles that we have, over the things that are going on. Sit on them. Sit on them and declare how good God is. This is just a side note. Uh, but, but where you sit, the way that you decide to respond to your situations and your circumstances doesn't just affect you, but it affects generations and generations and generations. This is something that we kind of don't. It's, it's kind of a scary topic because it makes us really think about what we're doing. It's kind of a scary topic because it's like, well, uh, then I really have to actually think about making sure I'm living biblically. But I'm going to show you this. 2 Kings 10.30. Again, you don't have to turn here, but you can if you want. I'm just telling you so you can see it's biblical. 2 Kings 10.30 says this, The Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in accomplishing what is right in my eyes and have done to the house of Ahab all I had in mind to do, your descendants will sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. <coughs> Jehu's behavior affected where his great, great grandson would sit. Because of what Jehu did, his great, great grandson got to be royalty. Because of what Jehu did, his great, great grandson didn't have to know the struggles that Jehu had. Think about that in our lives today. Because he sat on it, his descendants would never have to sit under it. Let me tell you something. Because you decide to sit on your addiction and conquer your addiction, your kids and your grandkids never have to sit under it. They don't have to sit under it because you made the decision to conquer it. Dads, if we can get in our, in our, in our minds to conquer our anger, our children and our grandchildren don't have to live under it. Moms, if we can get in our mind to, to sit on top of our anxiety, sit on top of our fear, then our children and our grandchildren don't have to live under that. When we choose to sit on top of what's holding us back, our grandchildren, our children, and our great-great-grandchildren can be affected by that. Maybe if you set on the curse of, of debt and set on the curse of unforgiveness, maybe our grandchildren and our children wouldn't have to deal with it. Maybe they wouldn't be affected by it. If we made the decision, I'm going to sit right here. I'm going to sit Right here. I'm not going to sit under this anymore. I'm not going to let this thing control me anymore. I'm not going to sit here and let this rule me anymore. I'm going to sit right here on top of it. I'm going to sit right here on top of it. This is way easier said than done, <laughs> as is lots of stuff. Uh, but there's a perfect example in, in, in the Bible of how we're supposed to do this. Hebrews chapter 12. Jesus is a perfect example of everything. If you're ever wondering, how do I do this? How do I do this? How do I do this? Look at Jesus because he has the perfect examples. He knows exactly what he's doing. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. How? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You hear people and pastors that will sit and say how much Jesus just loved. Like, you know, Jesus was just hanging. He was just so happy as he hung on the cross. He was just so happy because he was thinking about you. Jesus was thinking about you, but he was miserable. I'm going to tell you. Jesus was absolutely miserable hanging on the cross. He was fully man. And he had nails going through his body. He had been beaten like no man had ever been beaten before. He wasn't happy to be on the cross. He despised the cross. Jesus hated the cross. 
Jesus, the night before, sits and says, God, please don't make me do this. Please don't make me go to the cross. He hated the cross, but he chose to do it. Why? Because of the joy that was beyond the cross. How are we able to sit? And, and, and he didn't sit there. You know, Jesus, Jesus didn't sit in the grave. He didn't, you know, it says he went down to hell. He didn't sit down there after he finished taking the keys. He didn't just stay. Jesus went back and sat on the throne of God, sat right next to him. That's where Jesus is sitting. That's where we can find our joy. That's where we can find our will to sit on our problems, to sit on the situations that we're dealing with, to sit on the circumstances. We can do it because we have the joy of knowing what Jesus did and what that means for me. I can move past my anxiety because of what Jesus did for me. I can move past my hurt because of what Jesus did for me. I can move past this financial struggle because of what Jesus did for me. We've got to keep our eyes on the prize. The prize is Jesus. That's how we overcome. That's how we can sit on our things, keeping our eyes where they're supposed to be. It's okay to sit. Jesus is sitting right now in this exact moment. Jesus is up there sitting right next to God. They're just sitting hanging out. Probably playing go fish. I don't know. They're sitting up there having a blast. It's okay to sit. Or playing Uno. They could be <laughs> They could be playing Uno. But here's the deal. Here's the reality. We have to choose where we sit and make sure that we're sitting in the right place. Because there's frustrating days. There's days when you get off work and you're like, I don't want to see a single soul. I want to go home. I want to sit in front of the TV. But then you get home and you got wife and children. And you're like, what am I supposed to do? In that moment, you have to choose where you sit. Am I going to sit in the frustration from today? Am I going to sit in the anger from today? Am I going to sit in the joy set before me in what Jesus did for me? We have the choice where we sit. It's up to us. When somebody hurts me, when somebody says something to me, somebody breaks my heart, somebody does something they should never have done to me, I have the choice of how I respond, where I sit. Am I going to sit in that hurt? Am I going to sit in the bitterness? Am I going to sit under that broom tree? Am I going to make a decision? I'm going to move past this, and I'm going to sit on the promises of God and sit in what he told me to do. I'm going to sit right here. You're not going to hold me back anymore. I'm sitting right here. It's important that we know where we are sitting. All right, number two. That was a long, that was a really long one point. <laughs> what these next two are, don't worry. Number two, saving seats. This is one of the most awkward things anyone can ever ask you to do in the history of the world is ask you to save a seat for them. All right? It's just the truth. If somebody asks me to save a seat, literally I will say no. I don't care. I, it's like Get in on time. I'm not saving you a seat. I'm just not. Because it's awkward. You know, somebody's sitting, somebody comes up and they want to sit next to you, and you're like, no, I'm sorry. You're not good enough for this seat. You, you didn't earn this seat. I'm, I'm saving this for somebody. It's the worst. It's the worst for you because you feel really rude, even though it was your friend's fault. And then that person feels like a disappointment. Like, they, I'm not good enough to sit here. You know, like in the, in the movies. This is, again, I keep going back to the movies. I don't know. But in the movie theaters, when it's completely full, but you bought a ticket for your friend, completely full. Other random people start walking in. Every one of them tries to sit in those few seats next to you. And you have to be the person that says, uh-uh, this seat's safe. That's super awkward. No one wants to do that. And it's rude. So, 
That's what we're going. That's what we're talking about. Saving seats. Because in terms of our emotions, in terms of our soul, it's not rude because the person we're telling no to is the enemy. Okay, so we can tell him, no, he can't sit here because we are saving that seat for something better. This is called the seat of emotion, okay? This is a psychological term. I love when, when science catches up to what the Bible's been teaching for 2,000 years because that's just, it's just like, well, duh. <laughs> they say some things and you're like, hello, we've been saying that to you for a while. Science has called this the seat of emotion. It's a psychological term, the seat of emotion. You have three brains. I don't know if you know this. You have three brains. Some of you are looking around at people in this room and saying, they don't have one brain. Nope. Look up here. Look at me the whole time. Don't, don't turn and look at your person sitting next to you, especially if it's your spouse. Just keep looking up here. You have three functions of your brain. Number one is the survival of your brain. Okay, This is the things that you don't even have to think about. Your brain is telling your heart to beat, so it's beating. Your brain is telling your lungs to breathe, and they're breathing. That, that's, just, that's that part of your brain. You have the logical part of your brain. Parents, be encouraged. This doesn't kick in until your 20s. Okay, some of you are looking at your kids, and you're like, what? What's happening? It doesn't kick into your 20s. You're fine. You'll be all right. Logical part of your brain. This is what makes decisions. This is what teaches planning. This is what teaches executives kind of things. It's where you make your decisions from. But then the third part is your emotional brain. And this is where they call it the seat of emotion. The emotional part of your brain. This is where you get to choose what emotions you're sitting down and what emotions you're not. There is a constant battle for your emotions. Constant. Because the enemy wants you to be discouraged. He wants you to be sad. He wants you to be whiny. He wants you to complain. He wants you to be struggling in your emotions. That's just who he is. But we have that choice. And that's what this is saying right here. The Bible says, guard your hearts. Again, science is telling us, you have the ability to do that. You have the ability to do that. And we've known that because the Bible has said it for a long time. It says, Guard your heart. So what that means is when you're sitting in your movie theater of your emotions and fear starts walking down wanting to sit next to you. See? almost just spit on you. And fear starts wanting to sit down. You can look at him and say, no, I'm saving this seat. This seat is for peace. You can't come sit here. When anxiety starts walking in, coming to sit next to you, you can look at it. Uh-uh. This seat's saved. I'm saving this seat for peace. When sadness starts coming, no, I'm saving this seat for joy. We have that ability. We get to say, I, this seat is saved. It's weird to do that, and it's rude to do that with people, but it's great to do that with the enemy. When he's coming and trying to discourage us, he's coming and trying to hurt us, he's coming and trying to make us bitter and make us sad, and we just say, uh-uh, this seat is saved. The Bible says we take all of our thoughts captive, and, and absolutely, we need to take our thoughts captive. When fear is coming, uh-uh. This seat's saved. You can submit. You can submit to Jesus. This seat's saved. I'm choosing to live in this. I'm choosing to live in peace. I'm choosing to live in love. I'm not choosing to live in hate anymore. Hey, you got to go. I'm choosing to live right here. You get to choose where you sit. And the angel says, it doesn't say anything, but he shows us. You sit right on top of that thing that's holding you back. You roll that thing away and sit right on top top of it. A seat has been saved for you as well. It's hard to sit and think about us trying to, to sit on our, our problems and sit on the circumstances that are holding us back. It's hard. It is. Let's just be, let's just be vulnerable. It, this Christian life is not easy, okay? It's not easy to do what he says. But we have encouragement in that there is a seat that's already been saved for us. 
a couple years ago, I went to a, uh, I brought my, my brother tickets to a Spurs game. I'm a big Spurs fan, uh, so we went to a Spurs game, it was for his birthday. And we drove down there, and I had no money because I was like a child. And, and so we were way up in the nosebleeds. I mean, literally, like, binoculars, still couldn't see the players. Like, it was, it was that bad. And we're, we sat there for, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes or something. And Jeffrey, Jeffrey always does this. He's just, he's way different than me. But he's like, look at those seats way down there. Like, way down, like, basically, like, on the court. He's like, we're going to go sit there. I was like, uh, Jeffrey, I paid $4 for these tickets. We're not going to sit down there. And he's like, hey, just come on. So we just gather our stuff, and I'm just, I'm just trucking along. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, my brain, I'm like, we're going to jail. Like, I didn't know. I was a child. I was like, this is it, jail. And so we walk down there, and Jeffrey's just talking to the, the little what do you call them, clerks or ushers? And he says, hey, uh, no one's been sitting. We've been looking at these seats, and no one's been sitting. Is it okay if we just sit there? And the guy goes, yeah. If someone shows up, just move. I'm like, okay, deal. <laughs> we, we can do that. And so we're sitting, you know, this was when, this was when Kawhi Leonard played for Spurs. We're sitting, and I'm like looking at Kawhi Leonard. He's like five, ten feet in front of me. And I'm like peeing in my pants. I'm like, what? Like, He's, he's there, and I'm here. Like, I'm this, this close to him. But what would have happened if I had settled and set up in the nosebleeds? And this is the same way in our life. How often do we settle for our circumstance when there's something so much better, and all we've got to do is go sit? I'm sitting up here, and I'm stuck in my hurt. I'm stuck in my anger. I'm stuck in my, my temptation. I'm stuck in all this stuff. And freedom's right there. I just got to get up and go sit. I'm going to stop sitting here. And I'm going to go sit there. And it's free. It's already, it's already prepared. The Bible says he's just ready. Every good thing is just sitting and it's ready for us. So why do I settle and sit back here? I'm going to stop sitting under my hurt and under my circumstances and get off my rear end and go sit where I'm supposed to be. I was supposed to be that close watching Kawhi Leonard and Boban Marjanovic. I'm supposed to be that close watching them peeing in my pants. That's where I'm supposed to be. That's my destiny. Probably not peeing in my pants. But that's where I'm supposed to be. I'm not going to stay up here in the nosebleeds anymore. I'm not going to stay up here in hurt. I'm not going to stay up here in bitterness. I'm going to get down. I'm going to go sit exactly where I'm supposed to be. And that seat only saved by, by Jesus. He did everything. He did die on the cross. He was miserable dying on that cross, but he was thinking about you the whole time. He was thinking about all the things he could get to, to give you and pour out to you and, and all the opportunities that would come. Because he hung on that cross, everything's available. Peace is available to us. Hope is available. But we got to get up out of our seats and go sit where we're supposed to be. It's up to us. I really do feel like the Lord, when He's kind of challenging, this is not even in my notes, this is, this is how we're closing today. <coughs> I feel like what the Lord is, is challenging us in is I think so often we become so comfortable in where we're at that even hurt is comfortable. Even anxiety is comfortable. Me holding that unforgiveness, that's, that's comfortable. I'm, I'm fine with it now. I've grown accustomed to it. We're friends. We're buddies. And what I just feel like the Lord is saying is, 
It's time for us to shape up our seat. Shape up where you're sitting at. Don't let things control you anymore. Don't let things dictate your situations, but you get on top of that thing. Parents, let's, let's fight. Let's fight our anger. Let's fight our exhaustion. Let's fight our frustration that we have with our children. Sit on top of it. Sit on top of it for the joy set before us. Let's not, let's not live and sit under our struggles, but let's sit on top of it. Lord, we love you. Oh, we are so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful that you come and you, you love pouring out to us. Father, I pray that today <coughs> we would feel challenged. Challenged to live out the things that you've asked us to. God, I thank you for this series as we've, as we've worked on shaping up parts of our hearts. But God, I pray that we would never, never settle. I had a pastor this last week say that repentance never ends. You're never happy with repentance. We are never happy. Because we should be always wanting to, to, to be doing what's right. So Father, let that be our hearts that we would not settle. But that we would consistently keep our eyes focused on you. And how can we look more like you? How can we be more like you? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. I pray that this, this morning and this week we would bless you. We would bless your heart by the way that we live. In Jesus' name, amen.